Hello and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from the contracting officer's perspective. If you are a contracting officer, we hope to give you a little more insight into industry's perspective. In today's episode, we discuss colors of money. This is a concept that can be very confusing for folks that haven't spent time on the government side of the fence. Okay, let's get started. Hey, Kevin, today we're going to talk about colors of money, what they are, and why people should care about it. Colors of money is the way that, at least in the DOD world, we refer to the types of appropriations. Now, it's important to note at this point that we are not lawyers. Fiscal law is a huge, complex topic, and we're just sticking at the top level here to help people understand a little better. So colors of money is the way we, at least, you and I, in our, in our DOD-centric acquisition lives, learn to refer to the different appropriation categories. And, and, and we're not really sure why they're called colors of money. because the, No one ever calls it blue money or green money or red money or pink money. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's where it came from, is, it, is to understand that it's not all green. Because on, <laughs> on the contractor side, it's all green. It's all the same money. You, you put it in different buckets, but it's all the same color. It's green. But yeah, they're, they're basically types of appropriations. So the big picture here is that these are types of appropriations. What that means is constitutionally, Congress authorizes the spending of public money. Okay, got it, right? Well, the idea is no public money shall be withdrawn from the Treasury but in consequence of appropriation by law. In other words, Congress has the purse strings. Purse strings, there you go. But this, this is how the process works. This is where the money comes from. And what, there's, what the colors of money denote, particularly, again, this is a de- Department of Defense centric conversation we would love to hear how some micro agencies use this that's part of the conversation here but this is how the process works through the dod so when congress says we're giving you the money to go buy this aircraft you can't use it to go buy a boat because they said go spend it on an aircraft right that's the big picture so the little picture is that these colors are a simple way to describe how public money is allocated and spent that's that's why we're going over this because this is one of those things that i thought everybody knew and then when you start talking about the different types of money and people say, well, what do you mean it's not all green? So this is one of those questions that came up that we thought, hey, podcast is a great way to answer it. Right. So, so there's types of, of appropriations. There's annual appropriations, which are annual one year every year. There's multi-year appropriations, which can be spent over more than one year. And then there's no year appropriations, which we're not really going to cover that because there's not restrictions on their use. They can be spent until they're spent or they can be continued to be spent until they're all gone or they can be canceled. So to zoom out and say, well, how does this whole process work? The basic way to get it is the, what they call the bona fide need rule, which is a statutory concept. It, and the way that I think of it is this is how the, the statutory concept comes from the Constitution. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but the idea is Congress says you can spend this money in the following ways. So the bona fide need rule goes through the following ways. So, for example, the three basic concepts you've got to meet. Is it is for the right purpose? Is it at the right time? And is it the right amount? So purpose, time, and amount. Those are the three pieces of the, the bona fide need rule. So the purpose part of this is does the need match what Congress appropriated it for? So, in other words, this money used for services, is it being used for services? Is money used to pay military personnel being used to pay for military personnel? Is construction money used to pay for construction? You get the idea. What is the purpose Congress appropriated it for? It's got to match. So again, this is a, the contracting officer signing a contract using funds 
the purpose has to match. Now, granted, the contracting officer isn't the only person watching this, but they're the one signing it. <laughs> so one of my rules was I checked, what does the funding line say? That Almost everything else you can adjust with a modification. If you spent the wrong kind of money, yikes, that's a big deal So because you, you broke the bona fide need rule. So that's why this is such a big conversation. So there's, that's purpose. Does it, does it match what Congress gave it, gave it to uh, the agency for? Then time. So the basic idea of time is that the appropriation needs to come before the obligation. And I know that's an alliteration. Sounds kind of fun. But what that really means is you can't spend money you don't have. Congress gives you the money. You got to spend it. Simple concept, right? But it gets really complicated when you get into you've only got one year to spend this money. This money is set aside specifically for a military construction project for a VA facility. And then or actually, I guess that'd be a VA facility. And the idea is that that money can only be spent in the next five years. Well, after that five years is gone, it goes back into the treasury. So there's all these little pieces to it that you have to be aware of that you can't spend money you don't have. It's an obvious one, but you also can't spend it outside of the time window you were given to spend it. That's the time piece. So one year money, which is things for consumables like services and individual products and maintenance on items, that kind of stuff. You only got one year. As a taxpayer, you care about that because when people say the appropriation didn't go through, we're in a continuing resolution, et cetera, et cetera, this is where all that comes from. Yep. Is, there's a limited amount of time. And it has to be obligated by the end of the fiscal year in which it is appropriated. It doesn't have to necessarily be spent in that time. It's a lot Correct. of – I've seen a lot of confusion uh, lately in contracting officers about bona fide needs and, and when the money can be spent and when it can be obligated. It's kind of kind of interesting to see how how the the different agencies have interpreted these rules. But the 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 basic way to look at it is the appropriation is available only to meet the bona fide needs of the fiscal year for which they're appropriated. So you can't use it in the next fiscal year and you can't use it for a purpose that it wasn't obligated or appropriated for like you already said and and the, the way that this is an issue is that if you have a uh, let's say 2015 you have a 2015 funding line but your requirement that you're going to buy these states a service to to maintain a facility that facility isn't actually done yet meaning that your requirement isn't in 2015 it's 2015 money you can't award a contract if your requirement doesn't exist yet. It might next year, but then you know what? You've got to use 2016 money for it. So the reason we're going through this is this is the kind of stuff that makes government contracts complicated. This stuff does – I don't want to say it does not exist. As far as we know, it does not exist in the commercial market. <laughs> yeah, you, you allocate money through accounting and you have activity-based costing. Yeah, got it. But it's not like the money gets pulled back by Congress. It isn't like the CEO of Coca-Cola is going to come back and say, hey, you're going to jail because you spent money you didn't have. It's a different structure. Right. So if if you're a public company, then it matters for the, the end of your numbers or quarterly numbers, uh, how much how much you've made, your your revenue targets and, and profit margins and that. But as far as the money disappearing, no. Correct. And, that, and this is – let me give you another example of how that's frustrating. Uh, on one of the programs I had, we had a refund coming – and again, this is one of those examples that's 95% correct, but this actually happened, so just so you understand it. We had a refund coming because something that the contractor was supposed to do didn't quite get done. So ergo, we had we had paid for a certain amount of training. It didn't have to happen in that fiscal year. And then they said, well, we'll just refund you for it. Well, we as a program, again, this is a big program with lots of moving parts. We as a program can't just take that money and just put it back in the kitty. That money goes back to Congress to be reallocated. So 
it's it's a frustrating situation when you're saying, okay, you contractor want to give us this money back, but it isn't like Kevin Jan's contracting officer is going to get that, put it on the contract. No such thing as a refund. Exactly. So I don't think people understood. In fact, I know people, as many people as I thought, don't understand that concept, which is why we're going through it here. So that's why planning is so useful because you say, oh yeah, we'll just get a credit later. Well, well, it may not be legal or even effective. So So what else do we need to say about bona fide needs? Yeah, sorry, I went kind of long there on the time one. It's a big deal, though. It's a hard one to, to, to keep track of. And then the, the, the good news is the third one is amount. This is pretty easy. Do you have the right amount of money? In other words, if they gave you $2 million, you have $2 million and not one penny more. If they gave you $5,000, you got $5,000 and not one penny more. And going back to your comment about when it's, a, when it's obligated versus when it's what they call expended, obligated is put it on the contract, which means – the actual government contract has a funding line on it that says, contractor, here's your $2 million to go spend. That contractor isn't getting paid yet. They're doing the work, probably, unless there's advanced payments. We'll get into That's a different podcast. But they're, not, they're actually not collecting the cash yet. There are a couple more, couple more steps in there. They have to invoice for it, all those kind of things. So like you said before, it's important to understand that obligating it, meaning putting it on the contract, authorizing the contractor to spend it, is different than the contractor actually spending it. And that gap, that gap right there doesn't necessarily have to happen in the same year. But you have to have it on the contract. So the, And the amount has to be on the contract. But there so, is a time limit for how long the contractor has to expend it and get paid. That's a different different topic. Not getting into that. Yes, Stick with color. That is, so, short answer is it's five years most <laughs> of the time. Bonafide need rule. The, the time, it's got to be appropriated the right year. You can't spend more than you've had appropriated, and the purpose has to be for what it was meant for. Summed it up. So we are exceedingly DOD-centric in our experience. So this is, this is an example where we're talking – we're going to talk a little more on the DOD side, but we're very interested to learn from all listeners how this works in non-DOD agencies. So in, in DOD – an example of an annual appropriation would be operations and maintenance or military personnel funds where it's only for that year. Research and development funds, you get two years to obligate it. And then there's procurement or production funds that are three years. So the reason that's important to understand is think about, think about what you're buying. Procurement funds, you're buying a system. You're buying an aircraft. You're buying a um, – an IT system. You're you're buying a network upgrade. You're you're buying something that has a lot of moving parts to it. It's not easy to plan, execute, and individually fund something like a. It's a stupid example, but a, a jet in a year. You don't want people racing through that, so it could take more than a year. That's why you get three years for production stuff. Is that you're buying things that usually have, again, I'd have to go look this up, but usually have a value of over a quarter million dollars. In, in general terms, again, don't, don't haunt me for, for being 80% right on that. But think you're buying a, a, a thing, a system. You know, something it's a rule mean. of thumb. I don't know if there's a real limit on it. Yeah, I don't think so either. It, it may be, it, I'm sure it's agency-specific. Agency and then RDT&E, Research and Development Test and Evaluation Funds, it's the same conversation, is that you don't necessarily go from, okay, we have this requirement, we need to compete this contract, we need to be able to get everything broken into the pieces that we want as, as it evolves for this particular R&D effort we're doing, it might take you more than a year. So Congress gives you the two years to do that. But then operation and maintenance, this is immediate need. It, if you say it's an immediate need, then you should, you should spend it in one year. It's a consumable. 
So think of it in terms of short-term, long-term planning. That's really what this comes down to. Yep, you should be able to plan for how much it's going to cost to operate and maintain whatever you're doing for the year, and that's why it's one-year money. So one more thing uh, to farther confuse things. We talked about colors of money as as the appropriation types, annual or multi-year. If you're in DOD, then colors of money is down even below that where you get to this procurement, RDT&E, O&M, military construction funds, military personnel funds, and each service has its own way of referring to this. So if R&D funds, um, in my Air Force experience, it was 3,600 money, and people just called it 3,600. If you're Army, it's 2,040. If you're Navy, it's 3,019. So... Just like that, we complicated it. Yeah. And that's just within DOD. So we'll, we'll kind of zoom out for a second and talk about what time zone are we in to wrap this up to the idea of, of you know, the Contracting Officer podcast. We talk about our acquisition time zones. Well, actually, it's going to affect all of them, obviously, because you can't if, – if, if the type of appropriation doesn't match, if you don't, if you don't match the bona fide need rule, you're going to have problems all over the place. But the first place you're going to think about this, you being, in this case, the contracting officer, the program manager, the, the requirement zone, the government team says, does our f- line of, uh, the line of accounting, the funding that we have, match what we're doing? Does it start to match our acquisition strategy? Is, for example, just a random example, procurement funds, you have to fully fund. You have to have all that money. You can't buy half a jet, right? Whereas R&D, you don't have to have all the money actually in hand. You can say, okay, over the next couple of years, we're going to get more and more and more and more of this. And then at that point, we can increase the amount of obligations we put on the contract. That little difference affects contract type. If you're doing it as a commercial requirement, you can't incrementally fund commercial. Those kind of things you got to think about. So it shows up in the requirement zone. The second place is going to show up is in market research is when a company, now that you know what the requirement is, now you're looking out what can industry do Industry may say, yeah, yeah, I understand you want to do this as a firm fixed price contract R&D, but yeah, we're not going to do that because the risk is too heavy for us industry. Or history has shown us, and here comes an RFI to prove it, that if we do this as a fixed price R&D or if we don't incrementally fund this service contract, here the problems are going to show up. So that's when this discussion is happening is that the type – and I know Congress doesn't like to hear this, but type of money impacts acquisition strategy. You can't help for it not because there are rules under there that – they're, they're a really big deal if you break them. So, and I just got to say, I've seen a lot of procurement funded activities that have been less than fully funded. Now there's there's plenty of fun exceptions that different agencies have for that. Um, and I think it's I think it's a, a accounting driven and audit driven um, thing. And it's also it's also linked to um, expenditures that, that when, when we've had these continuing resolutions and agencies are only getting part of the funding that they need for the year, well, they have part of the procurement fund, so they have to incrementally fund things. But then I, I, my personal opinion is that the accounting functions of the agencies, they, they like to incrementally fund things to give themselves more flexibility. And that's, uh, that's not good for contracting officers or contracts necessarily. It just creates more work for everyone because it's another mod and how many people have to touch a mod. Lots of time That's a and good, lots of money. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten about the, the, the incremental funding that you get for a program is that what I meant by it being fully funded, meaning you have to have all the money to pay for that jet. 
But to your point, from the way that that plays out at the contract level is that all the money to pay for that jet is going to be paid in, say, quarterly increments to the contractor. And the contracting officer would rather do one mod and just obligate all the funds, and that way let's just work on the contract. But because of the accounting systems and because of, like you said, the risk management exercise, that money may come out incrementally, i.e. over every quarter. So now you're doing four modifications instead of one, which means the contractor is now getting these modifications. Yeah, so that's another soapbox. Fully fund your contracts if you can. (laughs) That's what I have to say. Do it once. Yeah. So back to the zones. This this affects all the zones of the acquisition process, all of the acquisition time zones, what type of money goes into the decision-making. And it's very important during the administration of the contract as well. So this is really, this is a, a another zen. It is all and none as far as zones are concerned. All right, <laughs> so let's talk about why you should care. The colors of money are a key difference between government work and industry, so public and private sec- sector. When September 30th rolls around and the, it's the end of the government fiscal year, there's a flurry of buying activity because everybody's one-year money is not going to be available for obligation on October 1st. In private industry, there is a flurry of activity related to hitting revenue targets. <laughs> but as far as spending money, it's not the same at all. One complementary concept to that is that the contractors are getting a lot of that flurry of activity. So in other words, so you have a, an IDIQ contract and the contracting officer is and the requirements folks say, okay, it's, it's August. We have a whole bunch of stuff we want to get done by the end of the fiscal year. They're going to be sprinting, sending out RFPs, trying to get everything negotiated to get this on contract. Well, guess who's responding to those RFPs? That'd be the contractors. So the industry as a whole is feeling this. And if, if you're not... As a contractor, I'd be curious to, to, to hear why not. If you, if you have a government contract and you don't notice a flurry at the end of the year, then you're doing something. Your team, your contracting officer is doing something right, and you need to let them know. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the only place I've ever seen September be quiet is in major systems acquisition where it's longer-term money and, and it's already on contract, and, and there's, there is not a, a, a plethora of one-year appropriations bouncing around. And you want to know why I know that's true is that when I worked on a systems program on an aircraft program with the air force, I actually got married on September 30th. That's, believe it or not, that's actually my anniversary. Yeah. It's because as a system and, and Paul was there, by I, the I took off time to go to your wedding <laughs> Yeah, because we were both working systems. So example right. of if you manage a major system properly, you can actually take off that last week, but most people don't. So, and yeah. every, that was my one and only time pulling that off, by the way. Right. And the rest of the government contracting contracting officer world probably would not schedule their wedding for the last day of the fiscal year. Yeah, I get lots of eye rolls for that one. (laughs) All right, so why does the government care? Why does the government care about colors of money? Because if they don't spend the money that year, it goes back, goes back to the treasury. They don't get it back. Money not spent is lost. Yes, and that, well, you can, the cynical side is that creates all kind of inefficiencies and gets people to spend money that they don't need to spend. Okay, whatever. We can, that's a, that's a philosophical debate. But what, the, you mean, you mean is, offices might buy stuff they don't need just because they have the money and they're going to lose it if they don't spend it. And, and the next year, if they show they didn't spend all their money, they might not get all of the money that they ask for because they've proven they can't spend it. So they buy $400 trash cans for everybody in the office. What? You mean, 
You mean like 40% of the money can be spent in the last month of the fiscal year? That <laughs> uh, and I put that aside, that the basic idea is that whether we like it or not, that's the system that we have. So how do you manage within that system? And one of the, one of the ways that we manage within that system is try and plan ahead, which goes back to our point about if you have all the money in the beginning of the year, obligate it. You're, you're kicking the can down the road by pretending you're going to have more time in September. And, for, and just this is one of those little pet peeve ideas. So the second reason why government cares, and there are sub-reasons to this, but the big one is, does your acquisition strategy optimize your colors of money? And again, I, I, this is one of those things I thought people would just you know, had, had the time to think about, but I'm sure a lot of newer contracting officers don't have the time to think about this. I'm not sure people are taught this in, in, uh, in DAU courses anymore, or, or for that matter, it's even really discussed. But the idea is knowing what kind of money you have. So like you just mentioned, if it's O&M money, it, uh, it expires every year. R&D money expires every other year, which means, yes, there is some money that's expiring every year. But play into that strategy of, well, when does this money expire is this something we can take care of in October? And again, is that is that best case scenario? No, but those are the kind of things that we need to be thinking about. Yep. Um, and, and, and here's and, my other. And not only thinking about, but communicating to industry. If you're the CEO, yeah, let them exactly. know what kind of money it is. You want them to be aware. That was the other big idea here: is that the contractor needs to know. Yeah, when I worked on big programs and, and, and we had these little giant contractors, they understood this concept. But a lot of the small businesses, they have no idea. It's all green to them, right? right. So when you explain the fact that this, this money expires at the end of this year because this is for service for the maintenance for the vehicles we already bought, whereas this money is for vehicles we're going to buy. And that's why this source selection is as important time-wise because we have the money for the next year. So all those things, I just thought people knew and – and if you did, hey, cool. Thanks for listening. But a lot of people don't. So it's a crazy concept to a small business that, hey, here's your budget for the year, small business. And if it goes away, it, the, 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 or the rest of the money that's in your bank account disappears on, on October 1st if you don't yeah. spend it. No. It turns it, in, in the real world, it's still there. It turns into a pumpkin and walks away. So why does industry care? So we just touched on that. Industry needs to understand that to contracting officers, money is not all green. They have reasons that they can, they have purposes they can spend it for. They have a certain amount of time that they can spend it during, and they only have so much money. So, so you need to understand your customers' concerns about the time, the amount, and the purpose of the money. And it's important to understand it from your customer's perspective, like you said. The, the biggest issue here is that as a contractor, understanding the contracting officer and acquisition and program management and the finance folks who come running over to, the, to my office literally on September 30th at 12 o'clock in the afternoon going, holy crap, I, this $500 was going to be used for a specific program and I, I need to get it. Can you cut the, the modification to get it done? That stuff happens, Right. So the reason that's important to understand from the contractor's perspective is that if they're snippy with you at the end of the fiscal year, if you think they're being lazy, they're not replying to their emails, this is a, it's a boiler room, particularly in an operational office. When I worked at Patrick Air Force Base, again, my anniversary is September 30th, right? So part of the joke was my, my wife would bring us all pizza on September 30th because we were there until midnight. It's just, it's just how it is. So operational bases, operational offices, places where they use a lot of O&M money, understand they're 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 not just hanging out right I mean, so what so when the co sends you a mod on september 29th or 30th 
don't screw around with it. If they need to get if it's a if it's a bilateral thing, if you need to sign it, if you need to get that back to them as fast as possible because they have to sign it and get it memorialized in the system or that money goes away. So that's that's a mistake that industry could think uh could easily make like hey, it's Tuesday. I'll get this back to them on Wednesday. But if that happens to be September 30th and October 1st, you might be out of luck. And and the other thing you here will is be the, out of luck, sorry. <laughs> and the other thing here is the traffic effect. So if it's September 17th and you think, "Oh yeah, I can wait till September 28th to send it back to them." But everybody does that you're exhausting them. So that, that's what I mean by thinking about what your customer is dealing with. So that, so the traffic effect basically says, if you leave your house at six o'clock in the morning to go to work, there's so much traffic, right? Well, if you leave at eight o'clock, is it different? Yeah. That's the basic idea. Think about September 30th is the ultimate bottleneck. And so on September 17th, if you sit on that mod for four days, and, and it's probably just a funding mod or, or maybe it isn't, but my point is be aware of for a lot of contracting offices, end of fiscal year and the color of money playing into all that, right? That starts in the middle of August. In some cases, it starts even sooner than that. And here's the nice part about that is if the contracting team and the program management team and the customers and the finance folks, if they start really stressing over this in August, then they don't end up having to go crazy on September 28th. And again, I've worked in one office where we did that. And it's actually Special Operations Command. And we sprinted so much the first half of September. We were still there till midnight, but it wasn't the, the miserably frustrating experience that it can be because let me tell you what this looks like. The customer, i.e. the user, the guy who wants the body armor, the vehicle, the, the service, whatever, he's handing that to the contracting officer. The contracting officer is talking, he's handing it to you industry. He's got two people, the contracting officer, he, she, has two different people he's trying to make happy. One is the customer. The other one is he's trying to negotiate with you to get, make sure the contract gets done. They're stuck in the middle, all right? It's a stressful scenario. And I'm not trying to you know, kind of make it sound like it's a sad scenario, but I want you to understand that this is why the traffic effect is the most frustrating part for a contracting officer, and the colors of money are one of the biggest reasons for that. So, okay, I kind of footstomped that. I think we got it. All right, so that should wrap it up for colors of money. These are types of appropriations, annual appropriations, multi-year appropriations, and we didn't really talk about no-year appropriations because the rules aren't, don't count against them so much. And that's a smaller portion of money, by the way. This is a zoneless concept. It is all and none for the acquisition time zones. So like I always say, we need your engagement. So send us your topics. Go right to our site, contractingofficerpodcast.com, and it says submit a topic. We have, last I checked, I looked yesterday, 147 topics in the queue. Some of them are ours. Some of them are from other people. But if you have a topic you want to hear, I mean, this is, we're trying to help people. Well, the best way to help people is ask them what they need help with. And by the way, Colors of Money was one of them. <laughs> Somebody asked about this. So just like JNA and just like the other ones we have out. Now, the other thing is connect with us on, on LinkedIn. The Contracting Officer Podcast has a company page as well as a, a group and then at Contract Podcast is our uh, Twitter handle. So you could post stuff in there and, and let us know what you want to hear about. And then my personal favorite is do me a favor and write us a review on iTunes. It's how people find us. And it's the way iTunes drives people to the top. And like you've heard me say before, there are lots and lots of people who could use this help and we're giving it away for free. So please help them find it. <laughs> yep. So we hope that we're giving you plenty of information to help you in the contracts world and in the acquisition world overall but if we're not going into enough detail here if you if you want more help we have that available as well 
For training, you can go to contractingofficerpodcast.com slash training. And for direct support, you can always visit skywayacquisition.com. Thank you much. See you next time. Later, Kevin. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, go to our website at contractingofficerpodcast.com, hit the contact button, and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.